Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. July 13th edition of NFL Trend Zone. I am Dustin Baker. We're here with Cody Spears, Jason Bowen, and Marcus from South Dakota. Wes Johnson is off this week, and this will be our final show for a couple weeks. We shall return on July 27th as training camps are just getting off the ground. However, tonight we got a full show. We're going to talk about the Chicago Bears rebuilding plan or what it is in general. Uh, Baker Mayfield having to compete for his job. Jimmy Garoppolo and perhaps ending up with the division rival Seahawks go through the NFL's top three offenses and wind down the evening with a chat about Julio Jones and where he might land. That's on the docket tonight. First, we're going to talk about betonline.ag. Our partners at BetOnline continue to be the number one source for all of your betting needs and sports information. Find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including NBA Summer League, Major League Baseball, and the latest fighting nudes news, excuse me, and even next season's early NFL futures. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Use this promo code, B-L-E-A-V, believe, to get the bonus and get in on the action. Bet online where the game starts. This is the July 13th edition of NFL Trend Zone. And per usual, we've got about five, six topics to talk about. Kind of the, again, the dry patch of the NFL calendar. But with training camp less than two weeks away, things will heat up. Regardless, we're going to talk about uh, the the topical items of the week. And I'm going to start with you, Cody. And I want to do this without laughing or bashing, if we can, this question. And because it's really puzzled me. I was writing something on Vikings territory about the Bears and I really got deep in the thought about this question. Are the Bears rebuilding with a second year quarterback right now, like starting a rebuild with a guy that they should have started a rebuild with last year? Are they actually rebuilding, or do you think that this is the problem-solving techniques used by a new general manager? Because <laughs> when they when they traded for Nikhil Harry yesterday, you look at their depth chart, and you're like, good God, this, this is horrible. And I can't figure it out because it feels like they're late to the party if they're rebuilding now. And I understand it's a new general manager, but give me your take. What is the deal? Yeah, they gave up a seventh-round pick for a receiver that could actually maybe start for their team. So that's kind of crazy. Shows you the state of their roster right now. But I think uh, with Chicago, they're just looking to get a new QB to stabilize there, whether they wasted his rookie contract or not. Uh, They have to pay Justin Fields right around the time when they're relevant again. I think that's something that Chicago would be happy to do. Um I do think that they're if if they do have to waste these rookie years on his contract, uh, Chicago would be happy doing that. So, do you believe like with I don't I have no idea we don't have any idea how polls feels about Fields, but are they under the impression that this is the guy, and we're just we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna be a little late because right now you saw him last year, I guess he was average, not very good. He could blow up like Josh Allen, but wouldn't this be the year where you start to go out and sign the big names instead of this mass exodus of like eight starters 
Like I can't figure it out. Like if, if they still had Foles or Trubisky, I'd get it, you know, they're getting ready. But with a guy who's in this precious second year and then third year, it feels like they're doing this backward. Yeah. That could be also recency bias with how good Justin Herbert has been mm-hmm. and uh, Joe Burrow. And then you got Tua, who's kind of lagging a little bit behind similar to Justin Fields. Uh, but I, I do think that their general manager sees Justin Fields and wants to build around him long-term for sure. So I guess they just, he didn't, maybe it's a matter of the, the new boss didn't want to spend all of his capital right away. Wanted to Mm -hmm. see what he could make because this roster is so underwhelming and. Oh yeah. Very underwhelming. Like I, 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 there's so many dudes left from Akeem Hicks, Eddie Goldman, Alan Robinson, Tark Cohen. (laughs) And that's, and there's like five more and okay. Let's get Jason's take. So what are they what are they doing? I don't know, man. Oh man, I'm just as bewildered as you are. They're like wandering the 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 football desert is mm-hmm. what they're doing. And uh it's it's so crazy. And I have to bring this up every time we do a podcast that we talk about the Bears. 2018, as a dreaded lowly Bronco fan, I was envious of this team. I thought that they had the pieces in place. I know that you guys were never on Trubisky and and that's fine, but I just was really excited about what I thought I, at least I saw there. And that was just delusional thinking because I was watching such putrid football in Denver. But, um, but I mean, they did well. They had a good, they had great defense. They had, you know, Trubisky who could have, mm-hmm. you know, or so or at least a lot of people thought he could have, especially with his draft pedigree. But since then, they've been just parching that team taking players away left and right. I mean, this is like, what was it? Two years ago, I was just in awe that they just basically gave us Kyle Fuller. Yeah. And then, and then they could have, they had to get rid of him so they could pay Nick Foles. (laughs) I mean, I know they got a new GM in there now, but oh my God. But I mean, getting, getting back to fields. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I know there was a lot of draft hype around him especially from what I've heard in Denver, there's, I mean, you know, and I keep having to refer to that because we were in the market for a quarterback then, but I watched him play a few times last year. I liked what I saw. I mean, so young, um, obviously raw, but I mean, he, he put, he completed some passes that I was pretty, pretty impressed with. Um, and it was, it was on actually on a primetime game when I thought that they were actually going to win that against the Steelers. If I don't know if you mm-hmm. guys remember watching that at all, but, um, but yeah, I, I I'm bewildered. I was have it, no idea. Wasn't that the game where the ref like put his ass into the player and then got, <laughs> got the flag. I think it might've been. Yeah. Or he like put his butt into him and then called like unnecessary roughness. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, it's a, it, what a, what a dismal environment it must be there i mean granted they're, they're they got a new gm in there who can hopefully figure some things out but to go from i mean if i was you know i mean i i i don't know you gotta you had a coach at one point who i thought at least was going to be something reasonably good you had a quarterback and you certainly had the defense and then that's i don't know i don't know trubisky's biggest problem was and will always be the draft because he was selected infamously before Mahomes and Watson via trade up. And I, I am kind of like with Trubisky, if he was found round three or four, then he would still probably be 
they're like, oh, yeah, this guy, he's still got some stuff to prove. But because he <laughs> went before Mahomes and Watson, uh, you know, his, his stock is just dampened. And, and nobody has ever bothered to give us a reasonable, sound explanation as to how and why that happened. Uh, I don't know. I, I know draft scouts weren't in love with Mahomes, and draft scouts learned a lot from that process. Jordan Reed even talked about it on my other podcast. Uh, about four, three or four months ago, um, the Chiefs were the only ones that could identify it that he was a top tenner, and wouldn't you know it, they got it right. Uh, Marcus, all right, tell me, tell me what is the deal with the Bears? Are we missing something? I don't know. Uh, I feel like Justin Fields can be built around. Uh, I like Justin Fields. Mm-hmm. Why they haven't, and are they going to? I don't know. They, they ha- it doesn't seem like they've made any moves to do anything with Justin Fields, which is sad and sad in me. I like Justin Fields and there's, there's nothing. It's a bunch of nothing on the team. <laughs> That's right. And, and, and normally I, I don't even think I would bring this up, but uh, because of my Vikings background, I see all these little chirps about how the bears are being slept on and about how this, uh, this roster assembly is like a diamond in the rough. And I objectively do not see it. They drafted a rookie wide receiver who's supposed to be the savior who's 25. And it's, it's like, really? Like, yeah. That was yeah, the they, solution. They say, that, they say that every year. Last year, they picked <laughs> Justin Fields and they're like, we're going to go to the playoffs. And then they tried to have a straight face with Nick Foles about it, too. Yeah, I mean, that's just kind of how Chicago Bears fans are at this point. Yeah, maybe I should uh, just chalk that one up and realize the rest of the world is probably feels the way that I do. It's just head head scratching because, oh, man, if and I this polls was in the running for the Vikings general manager. And because he had an offensive line background, what the Vikings desperately need to fix. I wanted him to be the general manager. And every morning I yeah, wake up, I'm like, thank did. God, thank God that I'm not the guy in charge there because we would be dealing mm-hmm. with this shit trying to figure out what's he doing. And who knows what moves he would have made. All right. So we have, well, what's, what are they looking like for cap room? Do they have a lot of money to spend? Ooh, yeah. I think it's up in the, let me, let me pull it up. NFL teams by cap space. I think it's up there and I, I'm sure he has a grander plan, but it, when you have, let's see. All right. So they have the fifth most cap space right now, 19 million bucks, which they can roll over. I think they have to declare it by a certain time in the regular season. Um, and I, I, yeah, there's definitely a long game and we'll see if it works or not. Uh, but it's just strange that when you're in an ever impactful second season for a rookie quarterback, you want to bring in the big names that you want to give them playmakers. And instead it's these breadcrumbs that <laughs> sold to a, and they're all like the same guy, Byron Pringle, Equinamius, Nikhil Harry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're, they're all imbeciles that would be like WR fours on playoff teams. And now they're being shoved into this WR2 role and may the best man win. And it just seems piecemealed. Well, it does. And, and you know, and I know that when we, you know, had the, uh, uh, the, uh, gosh, what am I, what am I trying to say here? I, I, I had a brain fart. Sorry about that. I, <laughs> it happens. Oh, man. Well, it almost seems like the Chicago Bears of old, you know, you got a kind of a weak pass attack, but you got, about one good receiver there, mm-hmm. uh, you know, one good tight end, um, and then a good running game. And then, uh, but this defense is not definitely not the defense of 2005 or 2018. That's for sure. Well, I mean, it certainly they're, isn't they're the running empty. game of that the running game of those oh, days. I either. mean, but we're David, not... David Montgomery and Khalil Herbert can, are going to be slept on. But he's I'll no Matt Forte. 
Yeah, I mean, oh, that, Matt Forte is a legend. He yeah, was, living legend. He was a modern-day fantasy football player. but Was he good at fantasy? His, Did he bring in the points I mean, for you? He, w- he was, but he would have been a lot better with these type of players today, for sure. There's a lot of players like that. Like that, Darren Sproles? Yeah, or Percy Harvin that probably just salivate when they see <laughs> the, when they see how Cordell Patterson and Debo are being used, thinking, yeah. God. I, or even any quarterback, any quarterback or wide receiver, I'm sure watches games on Sundays and thinks, what a what a track meet that I could have been a part of. <laughs> All right, on, on the quarterback topic. E for Percy Harvin. What? I remember they were talking MVP for Ver- oh, Percy yeah. Harvin before he got traded. That was a crazy year. <laughs> All right, so on the quarterback idea here, the Panthers trotted out Baker Mayfield yesterday at the press conference. He said that he has week one circled. Of course, he does against his old team. But the general manager also said that he's going to have to compete for his job. Um, The guy that I messed up his name last week, Davis Cheek, not Cheek Davis. He was cut, so he's no longer in the mix. But they do have Darnold. (laughs) As in ass cheek, right? (laughs) Yes, it's still Davis Cheek, and he's going to probably play (laughs) USFL or something. But it's still Darnold, P.J. Walker, and Baker Mayfield. And that's fine if you want to say that you're going to have a competition, you know, say the good things to Darnold and P.J. Walker. But Jason, why, if you just traded for a guy that you know is going to be QB1, why would you put that out in the public space? Oh, I think you do that for the exact same reason that I alluded to uh, a show ago and to continue to humble Baker. I think that's the only reason you do it. Um, You know, you don't want, which I think he's already in the process of, of being humbled a little bit. And I think it's, it's exactly what a player like him needs to get to that level that I think that we can all agree that he could potentially get to. Uh, Yeah. And the weird thing, the weird thing based on his price tag, a conditional fifth rounder, like that is the type of guy that would go into a quarterback battle. It's not like they have to start him because they gave up a second and a third and they're paying him 18 million. They're paying him. What is it? Cody, like five and a half million and the Browns are paying the rest. It's something crazy. Yeah. They came to some type of deal where he ended up taking a pay cut and the Panthers and the Browns split it. I'm surprised that that was allowable where a rookie contract could be shaved. I thought that in the NFLPA that those would be ironclad. So I learned a lesson there. Uh, Marcus, so Baker Mayfield, not necessarily the QB one. Do you envision a world where Sam Darnold or PJ Walker could knock him off in, uh, I guess, August, September? Um, no, I think Baker Mayfield uh, is good enough to beat out Darnold and PJ Walker. Two years ago, I thought Baker was heading in the right direction. And uh, last year, it just did not show, maybe with injury, but. I think uh, he has enough to beat PJ Walker and Donald for sure. Yeah, I think I think that's a foregone conclusion. I still don't understand why the general manager would play uh, word games with it. And I still think Baker Mayfield, Baker Mayfield can be good. And I think yeah. the only reason he looked like trash last year is because he was hurt. And for some reason, his people said, you played through this. And this time last year, we were talking about what his next contract would look like, whether or not it would be $30 million, what, what the Browns would have to dish out. And here we are trying to decide if he can beat out P.J. Walker and Sam Darnold. So, Cody, what, what, what would be the rationale for Scott Fitterer to say we're having a QB battle? Well, the rationale for me, because we also can't forget that they drafted Matt Corral on the third Oh, round. yeah. 
Yeah, God, so, I knew I knew when I was grinding off those names, I was like, God, there's one other that I'm missing, but I thought it was some practice. Yeah, score. so I mean, for me, I would have definitely spent that pick somewhere else. They were without a second rounder. Um, but instead you spent that uh at least a second rounder last year for Darnold, and then that fifth for Baker this year, a third for Matt Corral. That's amazing I if mean, you think about it. When you lay it out like it that, really that's is. insane. <laughs> yeah, and and I think it's a wash. I mean, Baker has to start. You you you're showing that your hand is being forced, and you're having to make a move at a very important position like quarterback. Uh, you can't trade for Baker and then sit him on sit him on the bench. That's you're you're already on the hot seat as Matt Rule, that the head coach. So I mean, you're gonna take your hopefully you're going to be part of a redemption arc and get a ticket off the hot seat with Baker, but I don't think you're going to start Sam Darnold, who was like, ends up with them trading for Baker. So we'll see how that goes. Well, and yeah, I mean, they, they did almost the same experiment when they traded for Darnold. And I mean, he had his Mm -hmm. audition and he failed it miserably. So as Matt rule, yeah, you can ignore that guy. He's, he's useless to the team. He really is. And, I mean, if you look at it, who would you rather have on the team? Just watching both of those guys play. Darnold, who I've always just hated. He just looks like a guy I just would like to punch. <laughs> and then, or Baker. I mean, I just love Baker's fire. I always have. Yeah, I think that Darnold, I don't think there's any way that he starts, unless all of a sudden – it he turns around. Yeah, and yeah, I, I we probably would have seen candidate. that. Yeah, yeah, we probably would have seen sure. that by now. And it, 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 if you get bored, go look at the Panthers' quest to solve QB one since Cam Newton wasn't good anymore. It's it's <laughs> it's comical. It's all these half-assed solutions, and I think they're even on record saying that they won't stop until they find a franchise quarterback. And that's probably why they plowed through four or yeah, I think four or five Kyle Allen mid-tier dudes trying to find the next big thing. And I thought with Corral that they'd try to groom him, but the Baker Mayfield thing throws a wrench into it. You get convinced into that mindset that, you know, if I could just, if I could just get this guy on my team and get him around the right people, then we can make it work. And it's uh, so many times that we see it fail. Yeah, and I'll reiterate this again. I said it last week in a quick soundbite, but Cody will nod and smile. No matter who it is, if it's Corral, Baker, PJ, unless injury hits again, all you have to do is 25 to 30 times get the ball to Christian McCaffrey, and (laughs) life should markedly improve. Am I right, right, fantasy god? Oh, yeah, for sure, for (laughs) sure. I mean, that's that's a guy who efficiency per touch is first in the league every time he touches the ball, so you're – Essentially stat. And what is he quietly 26 or 27 years old now? Younger than you think. Every time I go to check, I'm like, oh, okay. So it's still safe to use him in fantasy. <laughs> but I'm someone, once they hit, once they hit 26, 27, nope. I'm so getting This is your last year with the, well, I don't even know if you draft Dalvin Cook habitually. But I, yeah. I mean, I used to have a lot of Dalvin Cook because I'm kind of a homer for Vikings picks. Even in our draft I have with Wes right now. Uh, I traded up in front of him to grab Lewis scene, like literally to pick ahead of him and oh, yeah. <laughs> took him from him. And me and Wes didn't talk for like two days. <laughs> oh, you know, and hopefully since we're now a good two years removed from the COVID season. And I know that like uh, that season was pretty much, you know, kind of 
started what seems to me anyway, uh, a plethora of injuries, uh, mm-hmm. you know, so many big name guys, but you know, I mean, obviously they didn't, uh, that one season, they didn't even do workouts really, um, uh, you know, kind of rushed them in there and, and that was to be expected. And I think last year kind of had a carryover effect with a lot of them, but hopefully this year, um, full training camps, full everything. And I know last year was that way too, but you know, yeah, 2020 was dreadful for injuries. There was a period of that season that I think was like a, almost like a black Sunday where I think McCaffrey got hurt. There was like injuries, devastating ones galore on like a one or two week span. I can't remember yeah. exactly who it all was, but I remember Saquon, thinking, Christian. Yeah. Sutton. Yeah. I remember thinking, dear God, this is this ain't good. <laughs> Let's talk about Seattle. Now that they're out of the Baker Mayfield sweepstakes. Uh, I want to ask, I'll start with you, Cody, um, a little couple whispers. I don't know if they're credible about how Seattle's had internal discussions about Jimmy Garoppolo, which would make sense fine and dandy in a vacuum that that's the one team with a question mark at quarterback. If you consider Davis Mills and Houston as a for sure thing, you probably do Cody because <laughs> you like all young quarterbacks, no matter how bad they are, uh, but uh, Andrew Brees. <laughs> would, uh, would, the Niners barter with the Seahawks interdivisionally and hand them a mid-tier QB one. I mean, because you know, you think about it like, well, yeah, why, why wouldn't they? But think about the Vikings and Packers doing business or the Broncos and Chiefs. They probably not going to give them a quarterback. What do you think, Cody? Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't think that's a thing, uh, really. I uh, also I thought I read something about how. Seattle might not have had intentions of adding Baker Mayfield, and they might be steadfast in this Drew Locke, Geno Smith punishment year that we're all going to have to watch. And um, I don't think Jimmy G has any chance of going to Seattle. Uh, uh, I mean, you got to think everything from like everything he could provide Seattle. I'm not sure if that's actually a, a thing to where they can provide each other with information on the team, maybe their playbook, you know, things like that. That would all be a little. <laughs> A wild to imagine. Uh, I did see something about him going to Houston, which is kind of interesting. Um, he does have those Patriots ties. Some of the Patriots front office people are now in Houston. And then my personal favorite is him going to the Browns with a Deshaun Watson indefinite suspension. Um, that might be more open for the best for Deshaun Watson versus what's realistic, apparently. Um, but I definitely, I don't, I don't think he'll go to Seattle. I, there's some type of just like with us trading with the Packers. If, there's no way they would have given us far. We definitely would have had to sign him as a free agent. Oh yeah. That's the whole reason that he had to go to the jets for a year is to uh, avoid the poison pill, which would have been something back then, like five first round picks. If somebody would have mm-hmm. reneged on the deal, it was really weird. Uh, Marcus, tell me Jimmy Garoppolo to Seattle. And if not there, where? Possibly. Uh, I don't know if the, Jimmy G would be, I mean, maybe for Seattle, but I think if the 49ers could pawn him off somewhere, I think they would. Um, where would he go? I, maybe Houston. Other than that, I don't know. I think he's got to land somewhere. I mean, I, I, I know he's got the QB record of dreams, and you know he's been to NFC Championship and the Super Bowl. So I, I think he'll land somewhere. But you're you're down to it's either Seattle. Houston or a QB two job. And it's so late in this process. And we already saw what Baker Mayfield's trade value was 
that I think, but when you hit this point in the summer, all the bidding wars are over. So if you're going to trade a quarterback, you're not going to get much for him. Back when Garoppolo trade was still palpable, it was like, would they, would it be a second or a third rounder for him? And now to me, that seems laughable. If, if Mayfield's worth a fifth rounder, uh, I just don't see Garoppolo going for a second, maybe, maybe a fourth or something like this, but I don't know. It's strange because they're also putting all their eggs in the, the Trey Lance basket when we know that Garoppolo can guide them into the playoffs if he's healthy. And that's kind of always been the knock on him, but he can't be healthy. All right. What else? Yeah. Were you going to say something, Jason? Well, yeah, I'd like. So I in terms of Jimmy G to Seattle, I think I think that that's well, that won't happen for for a couple different reasons. Number one, Seattle is looking ahead a year. They're not trying to necessarily win the title this year. I don't care what anybody says. Um, I think after next year, that'll be the end of Pete Carroll. I think you will then at that point in time, depending on how many games drew lock and G and or Geno Smith can win for you, which I don't see it being more than five or six. I think that that's going to then position them into the mid round, mid round in the draft, if not top 10. I think that they are gearing up to draft a quarterback because they already are going to break the bank when they pay DK Metcalf. They're going to make whatever make whatever quarterback they bring in next year uh, comfortable with having that number one wideout signed. Um, it's very difficult, as we all know, to pay both quarterback and receiver. So they're, they're going to choose the receiver with that crop of quarterbacks coming out next year. Even if they don't have to get up to the top five to land one of these guys, they could still get one of the good guys. Um, and I think Jimmy G and San Francisco are also under an agreement as to, you know, we're going to run with Trey Lance, but you know what? We really want you on this team in case it backfires. I think they're uncertain. I really do. And I think Jimmy G is cool with that. Mm -hmm. I actually believe that. Um, I think he's cool with, you know, collecting his money and, and being there for, for, you know, what I think he knows in his mind will eventually happen. They could also hang on to him, Cody, like 2016, <clears throat> when inevitably some quarterback gets hurt, whether it's training camp or preseason, mm -hmm. then you got him by the balls and you can say, now we want that second rounder because we have everything else in place. Let's say it's the the Rams or something like well, they probably wouldn't trade him to the Rams, but uh, you know, just some team that's on the brink of a Super Bowl run that wants to stay afloat, just like the Vikings and Eagles did <laughs> when Sam Bradford and yeah. so went for a first. That had me wondering what's the average uh, starting quarterbacks that go down before week one uh, every year. Cause it definitely seems like there's it, it maybe at least one a year. Mm -hmm. um, but I mean, yeah, I mean, the Vikings would be prime candidates if something happened to Kurt. I'd be <laughs> yeah, happy and, to have and, Jimmy and, Garoppolo, like, please come to town. <laughs> yeah, and Jimmy G's ready to go, too, isn't he? He's not injured or nothing. I mean, he's he's, he, he's well, throwing. I mean, he, yeah, he's he's throwing again. He did have shoulder surgery, which might have uh, stalled trade talks earlier. But, and he's, uh, I'd, and he's I'd, got I'd, the one year left on his deal, right? This yeah. last year. But, I mean, it is it is a fat number. I think it's somewhere close to 20 20 to 30 million, something like that. Which is like exactly that. why I said he'd be cool with just sitting down. <laughs> yeah. I just, uh, I'm not sure if they have to make any moves or I'm not really like a cap wizard or anything. But like what you were saying with Seattle, uh, I definitely do think they're going to gear up to go snag someone next year because you look at the environment they're building, their roster goes to show it. They got, they picked a left tackle with like the 10th overall pick. 
They're going to have a hopefully Tyler Lockett hopefully is going still. They invested a second round pick in wide receiver last year. You got Noah Fant. I mean, this is a team that could be ready to try to repeat 2010 all over again. Yeah, they just got just got to find the right quarterback. Let's see if they can mm-hmm. do it. And you know what else is when you have these quarterback situations and Denver is a prime freaking example. You can sign guys for great contracts according to them, but you know, because they haven't had a chance to prove themselves. No offense, mm-hmm. we all think is capable, more than capable. Mm-hmm. Um, so if he goes out again, this is the last year of his rookie deal, and does you know, medium to you know, whatever under the quarterback and the coaching that he has currently. It's easy to sign him for a, you know, an extension for a three-year, whatever that would be, 35, 40 million, something like that, you know, yeah. to keep to keep him around. And it would be good for Noah. And, you know, it doesn't break the bank, just like they did with Cortland Sutton and Tim Patrick. Those, mm-hmm. I mean. Your guy, they, your guy, George Payton, learned that from Rick Spielman. Um, project that they're going to be stars like Daniil Hunter, Stefan Diggs, Eric Kendricks, yep. Adam Thielen. And then give them five years, fifty million, which seems to their bank account at the time like God damn. Um, and then four years into the deal, you'll see articles all over the internet. How about that they're wildly underpaid? <laughs> yeah, the, uh, it, and Elway was always good at that too. I yeah. mean, and that's that's brilliant. Yeah, that's the Spielman special, especially with Daniel Hunter. <clears throat> he he foresaw mm-hmm. that Hunter was going to when he was healthy um, emerge to stardom, like and he got paid in twenty eighteen, and then Hunter started to become a household name in 2019. And by that time, after that season, it was all the, Oh, he's underpaid now. And yeah. that's how it, it goes. Which, he, which he was, yep, you know, yep. but kudos to Spielman for sure. And yeah. Anybody right. else that, that has the foresight to make that happen. We might do a broader show on this when training camp starts, but I guess I'll, I'll do a little spoiler here talking about some of the top offenses in the NFL. I asked the panel to go through their top three and um, I'll start with with mine. And how should we do this? I'll just go three to one on mine, and then go around the horn. I think this was tricky because you're you're projecting, you're thinking about last year, projecting this year, looking at offensive lines. So I think that not because there's two Broncos fans on the show, but because of my my own opinion, I'll put the Broncos at three because I've long thought <laughs> for six years that the only thing that they needed to to tick or to click was a competent quarterback and they went and got a hall of fame one and they paid a nice little sum for him. But I think with all the things that are already in place from three good wide receivers, uh blossoming tight end and two damn good running backs that all they needed was a Russell Wilson. And I didn't foresee him on the menu for them. Nonetheless, it happened. So I have them at number three. Ooh, this one's so tricky. Um, Number two, I'll go with the Bills. I, I he- always hesitate because they just don't really care about the running back position, whether it's uh, Zach Moss or Devin Singletary or now Dalvin Cook's brother, James Cook. We'll see if he injects some vigor into them. But it always seems over the past two years, anyhow, that their offense ticks, especially at the right time. And Josh Allen's everybody's trend, trendy MVP pick. So I'll put them at two. And then I'll put the incumbent Super Bowl champion Los Angeles Rams at number one. 
um, because aside from Odell Beckham, they didn't really lose too much on that team. They've added a bunch, in fact. And then, by the way, they got Allen Robinson, who gets a good quarterback for the first time in his life. So that's probably some Super Bowl bias for me, putting them at number one. But I do think the Rams with Sean McVay's brain are the standard bearer. Cody, give me your three to one offenses. Uh, I did have an honorable mention, uh, Cincinnati Bengals at four and Broncos at five, but my top three uh, got to go with the LA Rams at number three. Uh, the reason they didn't beat the top two teams on this list for me is uh, their uncertainty in the ground game. Uh, McVay's always been able to scheme something open for them, but uh, just between uh, Devin Henderson, um, Daryl Henderson, uh, maybe not being able to handle the whole workload. And then you have Akers who came back and looked really bad in the playoffs, albeit against some good run defenses. Uh, they just don't have the run game to fall back on, not like uh, Minnesota does in my second place. You know, that might be a homer pick. Oh, my but... goodness. You put them at number two? You jinx yeah, happy. I mean, I mean I'm, I'm a big <laughs> believer uh, if I try to be unbiased and look at the um, peripherals of like the fantasy football situation. Uh, the I think Minnesota's offense is going to improve on already very underrated numbers. I mean, we're talking, I don't have the exact numbers, but close to a top 10 attack last year. Uh, if not a top 10 attack, this is the offense I expect to take a step forward. The offensive line take a step forward. And uh, the team chemistry in general uh, with like the defense maybe not being such a letdown helps keep the offense in a better position. And then my number one team is another surprise here, but I got the San Francisco 49ers. What? Uh, oh, God. Yeah. No, uh, Trey Lance to the moon. Um, I'm the one of the hell? biggest Trey Lance fans that you can find. Where it's talking, these guys got Danny Gray. They got Bo Samuel. They got Brandon Ayuso. My biggest concern for San Francisco has to be their offensive offensive line, mainly at center. But, I mean, if there's any offense that can negate that, it's going to be a Shanahan-style offense. And this is a defense at the same time that can place first in the whole entire league and set up the offense with great field position. And you know what? If it don't, if it don't work out, like you all said, they could turn back to Jimmy G. But, no, I'm a big believer in Trey Lance. I think that this is – one of the best offenses in the league, pound for pound. I mean, you could stick these players up against any offenses with Trey Lance. I think that he could definitely go toe-to-toe with these guys. So where are the Bills? Sixth? Uh, yeah, Bills at six. Uh, for me, Chiefs, once again, it seven. goes back to running game uh, okay. with the Bills. You saw Josh Allen. He, he, if anything, is a little overhyped because of recency bias in the playoffs. But this guy got blipped from a lot of games last year that he wasn't very efficient. I mean, he got uh, blipped by the Jaguars, I know for sure, mm-hmm. and a couple other instances. But we had Devin Singletary go off against atrocious defenses. He got James Cook, who has plenty of doubters. Uh, Gabriel Davis is a big hope, but Stephon Diggs and Josh Allen is really kind of all they got. My goodness, I don't know that 49ers that I – I could foresee anybody picking them number one. So you must be on to something. One other thing I want to say about the Rams for, for some context is that there's the notion that because they were able to win a Super Bowl, 
with you know Acres not looking very good. They they do. McVay values a strong RB one. Uh, he feasted with Todd Gurley before Gurley fell off a cliff in that Super Bowl run, and then they drafted Acres with high draft capital. And then when he got hurt, they traded a big draft pick to get Sony Michelle. And so it's not quite like the the Patriots dynasty where it's like, yeah, we'll trot out four different dudes and they'll score six touchdowns a piece throughout a season. I think McVay values the value of a RB one who's going to be productive, which in this, the way the league is trending towards pass happiness is noteworthy. And I think that's why the Vikings um, didn't do anything with Dalvin cook in terms of trade or anything, because I think Kevin O'Connell an understudy in McVay was like, Ooh, yeah, this will be the best running back that I've played with that I've coached because he wasn't even part of the girly unit. All right, Marcus, give me your top three offenses starting at number three. Number three, I've got the Bengals. Uh, okay. I li- really liked uh, everything except the line in which they pr- improved. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's why I put them at number three, number two spot. I put the Broncos. I'm just, uh, I think, I think the, I think the only team that can beat them is the bills. And that's why I have the bills at number one. Uh, Ooh, okay. I still think the bills are going to be a powerhouse. Like I said, when we did our QB rankings, I just think the, the bills are going to be able to do it this year. Hopefully. All right, Jason, give me your three through one. Okay. So first honorable mentions, I too, Cody, I got the Vikings in there coming in at number five, uh, which I think, they are going to really, really surprise some people. I, well, they, they're not going to surprise me when you have a top three running back, you have a top three wide receiver, and you could argue top one in both of those categories. I say this all the time, and then you got Kirk Cousins, finally an offensive mind, and that cannot be underestimated. Um, I've seen quotes from Justin Jefferson talking about how excited he is and how how good this must feel for them. Um Number three, I got the I got the Bengals. I got the Bengals. I love uh, with Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Joe Burrow, Joe Mixon. I think that they're going to come out and uh, really put up put in some good work this year. And you know, Zach Taylor coaching from the uh, McVay tree is is huge. Number two, I got the Rams. Uh, McVay, I love every Sunday. I have, I love watching Sean McVay coach football. He's uh he's brilliant. I think his the second year under Stafford is going to be huge. The addition of Allen Robinson is going to be equally as big. Number one, I got I got the Broncos at number one. Um, they have brought in an offensive young staff that knows I think what this what this offense is more than capable. I'm just going to give you last year's stats for this offense. So. Between the running backs, Melvin Gordon, 918 yards rushing. Javante Williams, 903. So both guys almost, almost got to 1,000 yards. Um, That's incredible. 12 touchdowns combined from them guys. That's with every defense stacking the box because they know that that's all they can do is run. Then you go to their receivers. You got Sutton and Patrick both going over 730 yards. Noah Fant, 670, and Albert O, 390. That's over 1,000 yards combined in the tight end position. Jerry Judy, 467 yards, hurt four games, and all Pat Shermer did was run fake jet sweeps to that guy. This KJ Hamler out most of the season with injuries. This offense is going to be unleashed, and 
when you can't stack boxes, there's no reason to think that both those running backs can't get over 1200 a piece. If they could do that last year. Um, I think the coaching mixed with the hunger, the hungriness of these young skill position players with the leadership of Russell Wilson and him and Nathaniel Hackett being so in intertwined. Yeah. Number one offense this year. And that is me being a homer. <laughs> expectations much. <laughs> yeah. Huge expectations. Yeah, I don't want you to be let year. down if they do something weird. That's I don't I think don't, they I, will, but no, I, I can't see it happening. I, I, I mean, I'm trying to talk myself out of these things, but if I'm looking at the stats from last year and I'm putting up against what I think an offensive minded head coach can finally unlock in these guys, there's no reason to think it, to yeah. think that that's not possible. I've called it before. Three receivers will reach a thousand yards. There will be four skill position players with at least 10 touchdowns. <laughs> and uh, the quarterback will go for at least 48 of them, 48 throwing touchdowns this year. And then you're teetering on with those numbers, one of the best offenses ever. Oh, yeah. I think it's going to, I think it definitely will rival um, the 2013 squad. And I've been saying it for months. And people think I'm delusional. And I, maybe I am. And I, I, there's a good chance that I am. But uh, that's that. But and then also, too, Russell feels kind of the same way I would imagine that a lot of the young guys on our team feel because he too, even though his stats don't show it has, has been held back in the offense in which he came from. So when Hackett is going to give the keys to him and say, Hey, let's make this happen. I think I, Oh my God, I I have never been so excited. I want to go through, you guys know, Mike clay ESPN familiar with him. Uh, He puts out numbers bank numbers based rankings and he tweeted out and he does it for every position by unit, then by total team, then by offense, by defense. So I will count down his top 10 offenses and caveat it uh, Cody that San Francisco was number 20 per Mm. Mike clay's ranking. So you're going to have to have a, have a debate with Mr. Clay. Uh, Number 10 was the Denver Broncos. Number nine was the Arizona Cardinals. Number eight, where is it? Green Bay Packers. Number seven, Los Angeles Rams. Number six, Buffalo Bills. Number five, the Dallas Cowboys, who we all slept on. Number four, Cincinnati Bengals. Number three, somehow still Kansas City Chiefs, probably because it's a quarterback-heavy metric. Number two, the Los Angeles Chargers. And still, number one is Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Per Sounds like he forgot to change his list from last year to this year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't think Denver would have been number 10 last year, homie. Oh, yeah, you're no, right. You're right. No, yep. not even close. The Vikings are number 12 for those that care. And the worst in the league are the Atlanta Falcons at 32. The uh, Texans, 31, the Bears, 30, Seahawks, 29, Giants, 28, and the, let's see, who was 20? The Panthers. I don't know if that's before or after Mayfield, but we shall see. <laughs> well, let's uh, not forget Colin Cow- Cowherd has Denver at five, so he's the only man that really matters. Well, he's the one that thinks the Vikings <laughs> are going to double their win total, which means they'll go 16 and one. Yeah, and, and he also thought that Drew Locke was going to be the next big thing, but well, you know what? So did I, so. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's uh, let's end on this topic. The Julio Jones sweepstakes, if you still want to call it that. Uh, what is Julio, Cody? What is he, 30, 31, 32? How old is he? Uh, he's, I was thinking he was even older than that. It seems like Julio has been playing forever these days. Yeah, he really uh, has. Let's it, do a quick check. Yeah. 
because his free agency is still out there. He is 33. So yes, good point. He probably has one or two seasons left as a contributor. And you'd think unless he does something funky, he'll want to latch on to a contender. And I think he and Odell will be the big names for teams Mm -hmm. that need to add a wide receiver. Odell, I'm not sure if he will play until midseason. But Julio, I think, should be ready. But there's just been very little talk, probably because he's 33 years old. Uh, I'll start with this one. I think that when it's all said and done, he'll end up with the Chiefs. I think that would be a good fit because I think he can be obtained for relatively cheap because of the last two seasons. Uh, They weren't too fruitful. Other than that, there are WR needy teams. Uh, the Packers always come to mind, and I'd, I'd not want to see him because I'm sure he'll have a little renaissance, age renaissance there. I don't want to see it in Green Bay. Uh, but, Jason, where do you think either one or two spots where Julio Jones could land? You know, with Julio, it's – it's I, I just – I thought that he was done two years ago, and just because of the – the, the history of these receivers that cross that 30 year old threshold. And they, I mean, I wish I, in, in every time I, you know, I've been, I've been duped to think that, well, this time it's this guy. Yeah. But this is Julio we're talking about, or this is so-and-so that mm-hmm. we're talking about. Yeah. I, feel, yeah <laughs> well, I mean, I feel the same, same way about Devonte Adams really. And Cody, you nailed it earlier. I mean, giving out that huge deal to a, to a 30 year old receiver, it, it, it doesn't matter how good these guys are. It, it never fails. Once they get to that age, unless you're Jerry Rice or, it, you know, Terrell Owens, because he played, I think, until what, 35? Yep, and Fitzgerald and Tim Brown. Fitzgerald and Tim Brown. So there's four. There's not yep. even a handful of these guys <laughs> that can do it. And, um, you know, I, I, I don't, I, I, th- I would think that he would need to go to a, a team that has a, I, gosh, I, I don't know. I, I, I just, I, I, I don't know. I think the Colts are the best fit for him, but <laughs> the Colts is where we send all of them to die. The Colts are the Jaguars, <laughs> but then he'd be, you know, back with Matt Ryan. I mean, yeah. I don't, I, I don't know. I've, I just don't know. It'd have to be somebody that could at least maximize what value he has left. And, and to be honest, I don't know what that is. Cause even back when he was rolling and putting up those numbers with Matty ice, he wasn't really a touchdown machine. No, that's always been a giant mystery. He's only had double digit touchdowns once. And that was his second year. And that was 10 touchdowns. He's never had more than 10 touchdowns in a season, seemingly a guaranteed hall of famer. Um, But I don't know if it's, I can't remember if he was always double covered or it's, it's like, it was always like a size speed mismatch, but not, not as in, in the sense of contested catch. Yeah, but in the sense of you got a six foot three dude lurking around you, going twenty miles an hour down the field, <laughs> yeah. catching those long bombs. Uh, I mean, Julio at this point, I think he's just more of a decoy than anything. And yeah, he, I'll tell you where he belongs is Baltimore. But he don't no no receiver wants to go to Baltimore. That is actually where you go to die as a receiver is Baltimore. Did you see um, in the last couple hours the feud with Jackson and Benny yes. Pollard? <laughs> yeah. 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 They're going at this it. It's so random. Yeah. Lamar Jackson isn't, he's he's not afraid to talk some smack back <laughs> on social media. He don't care. Yeah, he's like got franchise that. QB or not. Yeah, he's fiery. All right. So you do you um, is, it, is that a formal prediction, Cody? Oh, I believe all that stuff. But um where he where I would love to see him go is the Chargers. Mm, okay. 
Yeah. Get I, you get you someone else down there, kind of like uh he could fill in for Mike Williams when Mike Williams gets banged up inevitably. <laughs> and then um just the the window that the Chargers are in right now, you get them all the pieces they need because they're being obvious about what their plans are with the trade for Khalil Mack and signing JC Jackson and the way they've set their team up to build around that rookie contract, adding a, a Hall of Famer, like you said, on a very cheap value deal. Uh, to me, that's a smart, a very smart move. Uh, yeah. yeah, well, and he would fit the mold with the type of receiver that they got over there in, in uh, L.A. too. I mean, what, 6'3", six, 6'4". Six, and they and just send him running down the field. That's right. <laughs> and their tight ends even built like that. Yep. I still think Julio has a season or two left for two reasons. <clears throat> First one is that the way that he's built is Adrian Peterson-esque. And Adrian wants to play for a 16th season after his little boxing adventure. And <clears throat> not that not that Adrian's been good since 2015, but I still think that with that freakish build and, you know, almost like, you know, built like iron that there is a place for Jones. And I think I swear all he needs is a quarterback who's better than Ryan Tannehill. And that would be about 13 other dudes and just targets because uh, he's missed. Let's see seven, 16 games in the last two year only plays about half the time. And so we're not sure if that this is it or if those were outliers, but I really think if he latched on to the Packers or chiefs that we would be like, Oh God, Julio's back for at least one more ride. Isn't it crazy that the Titans gave up a second round pick for Julio. (laughs) And at the time we were, I know there's some people around the league were saying that's it. That's all that you have to give up to get Julio. And now it's like, they gave up a second rounder to get Julio and you're, you're getting Baker for a fifth. Uh, what Amari Cooper was for a fifth. Yeah. I mean, the, the trade values on these picks are all over the place. And Julio was coming off the steam of a 771 yard season. And so that trade capital was all reputation um, mm-hmm. because he already missed six games in the season before he was traded. So the writing was on the wall that eh, maybe he's slowing down. I don't think the Titans refused to believe it. And they thought that they had this, this twosome, which on paper was magnificent. AJ Brown. And I mean, this, the same guys, one's 10 years younger or whatever. Um, but yeah, so uh, I think he'll latch on somewhere. It'd probably be a contender at this point. If he goes to some idiot team like the Texans or the, eh, I don't even know. It's, <laughs> just because it doesn't seem worth it. Cause that's what Adrian did after he left the Vikings, just went and signed with these, He's in Adrian hasn't been back to the playoffs since going with the Vikings in the Blair Walsh miss game. If you can believe that. All right, uh, Marcus, take us off air with your Julio landing spot. I think that he'll either land uh, in the Colts or the Ravens, uh, a team that I'd like that I think he could probably do good on is probably the Raiders, uh, be a mm-hmm. wide receiver three uh, with Devontae and Hunter Renfro. I think that mm-hmm. would be he'd get some catches at least. Yeah, that would be that would be scary. And yeah, I can I can see the Raiders making that type of move. Uh, Cody, real quick, why do why wide receivers die in Baltimore? Uh, they run. They, say they run the ball uh, too much. Uh, <clears throat> it's not that they run the ball too much. Um, their offense is built around the strengths and weaknesses of their quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, in that sense, it features the tight ends and running backs and a running quarterback rather than. Uh, a traditional quarterback who can distribute the ball well enough to support to maybe even three receivers having a healthy target volume. 
Um, but I think there's a big reason why Mark Andrews is getting the volume he's getting. And that's because uh, Lamar Jackson can't throw the ball very well. And so that's the way that their offense is set up. Uh, he's 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 definitely a quarterback in the league. There's a big dispute about this. I think even going on in that Pollard conversation about how he's an athlete and not a quarterback. <laughs> I do think he's a decent quarterback. He like Rashad Bateman's gonna have a great year, but you go look at the wide receiver two history in Baltimore the past or Lamar Jackson's whole career. I'm not sure there was a wide receiver two at all. Uh, the last wide receiver I can even have remember having a great year there besides Marquise Brown, who was all right last year, yeah. uh, was Steve Smith. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. And one random question for you, fantasy brain, um, completely random and insignificant. Does Tyler Conklin get drafted in typical fantasy drafts or not? Uh, actually not. We're in nope. a draft right now to where we have 58 rounds and we're in no man land right now. And I just landed Tyler Conklin because, uh, I think he's going to beat out CJ Uzuma for that top spot in New York. And um, CJ Uzuma and that third round rookie they took, Jeremy Ruckert, mm-hmm. both went before Conklin. Nobody wanted Conklin. Really? And he was tight end 16 last year. So, yeah, I mean, I was just curious. I saw somebody tweet how high they were on him. And then I, I peeked around at some rankings and he wasn't even on them. <laughs> you know, on the 58 top. rounds. <laughs> it's a lot of rounds. Um, and you're, <laughs> yeah. you play tight end, you're probably going to be a little overrated, Yeah. but in Tyler Conklin's case, he's, I think he's underrated and, um, both those other guys haven't really practiced in New York. So as far as the sleeper goes, you look at Zach Wilson, you look at Tyler Conklin, they seem like two dudes who would hang out and have a good working relationship. Yeah. Well, so like this, this league that you're in right now, this fantasy football league where there's 58 rounds and you're talking about guys that. I would never even really hear of how much effort and thought and how much of your time goes into something like that. I'm just uh, wondering because I'm, I'm trying to envision this and you talk about it. You like, you've been playing fantasy football this entire time. We've been doing this podcast. I'm like, I don't yeah. even, I won't even draft for another month. Oh yeah, for sure. It's definitely like, um, for me, it it kind of builds up. So right now we draft every 12 picks. And so I'll have maybe four or five people that I have a target on. And so I'll go to Google and I'll type in their name and I'll go to the news tab and go through like two or three reports and kind of build my knowledge like that. Yeah, this yeah. Year, and this is but this is a like a dynasty league that you're in, right? Is, yeah, is that what this it's year called? is the first year that I started doing defense too. So now I'm over here trying to just like especially since the draft was a couple months ago where all these rookies went i know like the sixth round linebacker rookie in detroit rodriguez rodriguez <laughs> i know mcfadden and and new york i mean so this is it, this is almost i mean year it round would, yeah it sure. sounds incredible i mean obviously it would take a lot of my time i would think and i think it would be really fun so it's almost as if you are the yeah, gm of a team yeah, essentially, uh, especially with this league that that uh, me and Wes started, I wanted to make it to where you had guys who were kind of on a practice squad waiting to get elevated. And these are guys that, like, I got Brian Asamoa. Obviously, we all like football and the NFL, so it kind of just scratches that itch for me. But I have a great IDP podcast. So I'd be happy to share sometime. <laughs> the hosts on it, they have 
great chemistry and they're funny and stuff like that. But I've learned a lot, a lot about defense through those oh, heck guys yeah, this year. Man, that sounds awesome. All right, gentlemen and listeners, we shall be back two weeks from tonight when training camps will just start heating up. Marcus, thanks for joining us tonight. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. You all have a wonderful couple weeks. Uh, You guys too. Safe travels. Later. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.